Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. soldiers of Christ Jesus. This means war. everybody, I'm Pastor Tim. I want to welcome you, especially if it's your first time, to uh, Liquid Church. Uh, we're in the series Call of Duty, and today we're celebrating five smooth stones. We're actually giving out awards today to the men and the women who stand tall among us, lead this church in a battle every Sunday. I say five smooth stones, and my guess is, is only a few of you know where maybe that reference is from. Five Smooth Stones comes from a war story. It's probably the most famous mano a mano, one-on-one battle in the Bible. It's a story of hand-to-hand combat takes place in the Old Testament. Does anybody have any idea? Just searching. David and Goliath. Absolutely. And this is, this is fun because even if you've never been to church before, you probably have heard of, you know, David and Goliath, that, that, that phrase we use anytime. A giant champion kind of takes on an underdog. We use that in sports, like in March Madness, when you have a powerhouse team like Duke or North Carolina, big programs, like they're expected to win. And then a tiny upstart like Marquette or Butler and sometimes beyond all odds, There's this upset. The smaller, weaker underdog shows just a ton of heart, marches into an arena, and defying all the odds, topples the giant. We say it's a David beats Goliath story. And biblically, that happens really for one reason, because of five smooth stones. And you might be wondering, uh, how's that central to the biblical story? I'm glad you're wondering the significance, because today I guarantee, even if you've heard the story of David and Goliath, you're going to learn something new they never told you in Sunday school about this war story. So turn with me to 1 Samuel. We're going to be in the 17th chapter. It's on page 199 in the Bibles we gave you. And I want to quickly show you something neat and then highlight five smooth stones in our church who courageously take on the giants every week here at Liquid. Um, As I said, the context of this story is war. Israel, who were the chosen people of God, were confronted with their arch enemy, the Philistines. And you can read there in 1 Samuel 17, we'll look at verse 2, it says, Saul and the Israelites assembled, they camped in the valley of Elah, and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill, and the Israelites another, with the valley of Elah between them. So this is kind of a showdown, they're in this valley there that's called the Valley of Elah. And it says on one side 
you have, ding, 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 the Philistines. These were a nasty bunch of people, man. The Philistines were known as bloodthirsty barbarians. Whenever they conquered a city or a town, they actually made a little pile of human skulls at the city gate of the men, women, and children. They raped and robbed. So look, I'm going to write all my skulls, little frowns on those, just to show how barbaric they were. They were awful, awful people. They were the sworn enemies of God's chosen people, Israel, and they square off, it says here, in the Valley of Elah, which you can still see today in modern Israel. And it's really interesting because this is the ruthless enemies of the living God, and they're coming against trying to show their military muscle. And at this time, the Valley of Elah, this is in central Israel, not far from Jerusalem. All right, Jerusalem, the capital city, Israel was led by the time of, uh, king, at the time by King Saul, but his leadership was in shambles. He made some rash choices that actually disqualified him from leading God's people. And unbeknownst to anybody else, God had already chosen a young boy, a sheep herder, a shepherd named David, to succeed Saul as king. So as the news opens here, things are kind of tense. Um, You know, God's people have a weakened king. They're facing the Philistines with only a line in the sand, the Valley of Elah between them. And if you look at verse 4, here it comes. A champion named Goliath came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall and he played for the Miami Heat and he had a, he had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung at his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. It says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Look at me, all of a sudden I'm Batman. (laughs) Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man, have him come down to me. So in other words, out comes Goliath and he's kind of doing this giant shout out. He says, bring it on, God's people. He's got this giant spear. He's a massive, massive man. And he actually says, look at verse nine. He says, if he's able to fight me and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. So he says, let's have a proxy battle, one-on-one. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were, let's say those words out loud together, church, dismayed and terrified. Ding, 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 it's on. (laughs) Anytime you have a David-Goliath situation, whether it's in battle, in sports, in life, people like to hype or even exaggerate the size of the reigning champion. I mean, in this corner from the, from the southern camp, you have a giant over nine feet tall. If you're in the King James Version, it would probably say six cubits. That's what they used to measure in those days. And he's a giant man. His armor weighed 125 pounds. Typically, that was between 5,000 in 6,000 shekels, that's what they use as kind of as a unit of measure there. King James Version says 6,000. It's interesting because his spear was said to actually pierce the skull of a rhino. The point alone weighed 600 shekels. So this was a seriously armed guy. He's armed to the teeth. And uh, Goliath, we only hear about the size of the giant. I remember in Sunday school, the teachers always, preachers too, they always hype the, the height and the weight, the statistics here. But through Eastern eyes, if you were a Jewish person in the first century, you were, had Hebraic eyes, you'd have a whole different perspective. See, in Hebrew, numbers are more than just numbers, according to Hebraic thinking. Numbers are symbols of a much deeper reality. For instance, in Hebraic thinking, you may know this, three represents 
divine completeness. You think Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You think of the Trinity. Five stands for the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, of the, of in, the, in the Hebrew Bible. Seven, divine rest and completion. God creates in six days. He rests on the seventh. But what does the number six represent? Anybody have an idea? If you were a Hebrew, you knew exactly what this meant. You'd be like, oh, no way. Six cubits, 6,000 shekels, 600 shekels. This is a demonic presence. This is an anti-Lord, or as Christians would say, the anti-Christ. 666 was known as it to represent Satan, sin, and demonic forces. And the reality is, for a Jew, this would have stick out like a sore thumb. Je- Goliath is 666. He is the anti-Lord. He's a satanic presence. If you look at verse 5, it says he wore a, wore a coat of scale armor. What kind of, what kind of animal has scales? Yeah, in the Hebrew Bible, the first appearance would have been a serpent. So in the Hebrew Bible, literally, we would have, it would have been, oh, it's the accuser in the garden. Here he is. Once again, he's accusing, he's mocking the people of God. You ain't got nothing. Your God's nothing. Every morning for 40 days, he would stand in ridicule, Israel and their God. It says, then the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks, Israel. Give me a man, and I'm going to eat him up. So this is basically satanic trash talk. He's like, if your God is so great, how come none of you are going to take me on? And no one did. Nobody stepped forward, including King Saul. It says they were dismayed and terrified. They're basically frozen. And the big question was, where was their leader? Was anyone actually going to step up to this satanic smackdown? Enter the underdog. David, just a boy at the time. He's a shepherd boy to boot. He was only there because he's running an errand for his father to, to his three older brothers who were actually fighting on the front lines. But the magic of David is that regardless of his youth, his size, his inexperience, he had the heart of a warrior. That's something all giant killers have. They have a zeal for God. They burn with kind of a, a holy passion. And when they see a satanic power rising up against the armies of the living God, man, they lead the charge. There's a fire in the belly. There's a courage. There's a boldness there. And when David arrives on the front lines, he hears Goliath taunting and mocking the Lord. And he says, I love this. Just listen to these words. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And, and this is a fun put down. You want to underline this in your Bible. Don't underline it in mine. But if you're ever in sports and the other team is talking trash, this is a serious smackdown. Bring it, you uncircumcised Philistine. This is amazing. I did this one time actually playing hockey. I remember this. Our team had, we had a losing record. We were like nine and 12. And we were ahead by one goal in the last game of the season. And I lined up for a faceoff. And the guy was like, what are you guys, like nine and 12? I was like, look at the scoreboard, you uncircumcised Philistine. That's how they talk, you know, trash at Christian college sports. Yeah, I know. Regardless of his size, the size of the satanic presence standing in the way of God's army. David had the heart of a warrior. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. You're what? What's the word? Servant. We'll go and fight him. That's the second characteristic all giant killers have. It's the humility of a servant. See, God rarely promotes people who are powerful, strong, or out for their own glory. In fact, he actually can't use them at all. (laughs) He just simply looks for people who are willing to serve anonymously behind the scenes. And that's exactly what David had been doing for his entire life. After he raises his hand, Saul says, wait, you're, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. This guy's a, a professional. He's a Navy SEAL. He's been a fighting man from his youth. But then he says in verse 34, no, 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 Saul, your servant 
has been keeping his father's sheep. Would you throw up verse 34? Look at this. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, I killed it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. Where was David's confidence? His own muscle is in the Lord's strength. See, any time in your life, when you face an outsized opponent, I talked with somebody who literally just received a cancer diagnosis. They're like, I am facing a giant. The Bible says you've got to look through spiritual eyes because God's looking for servants who have a, have actually have a humble spirit. And even Saul knew there was something different about David. He may never have been in armed conflict, but, but he was out in the field and he had killed lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. So Saul says to David, he says, go and the Lord be with you. And, and you know, everybody was thinking, well, this, is, this isn't going to be pretty, right? You don't, you, don't, you don't send a goat herder against a nine foot Navy SEAL. In fact, Saul felt so far, sorry for David, he, he said, wear my ar- armor. But it didn't fit David because he's like, that's not my style. See, giant killers are actually comfortable in their own skin. They're, they're not trying to impress anybody or, or be somebody to not. And, and David said, I'll, I'll just simply take what I'm used to, my sling, and five of these babies, five smooth stones. I remember when I first heard this story in Sunday school, Mr. Tukmanian, and my teacher held up a, a little rock, just like a little pebble, and he put it in the sling, and the sling went round and round. And, <laughs> and that's, that's sort of true. See, in ancient Israel, shepherd boys, they didn't pick off squirrels with pea shooters. What did David kill? He killed what? Lions. He killed bears. And their slings were more like a cloth cradle. And they'd put a rock in it, and they would wing it around like a hammer throw, like this, and get some momentum going, look alive, black throw. And they'd get it going, and they would whip that thing out there, a giant river stone, in fact, before letting it fly. These are river stones. You can kind of see there. They are smooth and they are solid. And these thing, babies fly with precision in the hands of a skilled shepherd. Verse 40 says, then David chose five of them from the stream. And with the sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. It's on. And again, this part of the story gets so much cooler. If you look at this through Hebraic eyes, David probably walked down into the wadi. You guys know what a wadi is? It's like a dry riverbed where the, where the runoff comes from the mountain. This is actually a picture that Pastor Ryan took in the Valley of Eli. You can go there today and actually pick up smooth stones. And David picked up five of them. And you're like, why five? As a child, I remember it was always like, well, you know, if he missed with the first one, he had a backup. Or if Goliath had brothers, you know, maybe if his whole posse came out to fight, he had others. But that's not it. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. In fact, it talked often about hiding God's word in his heart. And at the time, David's Bible was not our Bible. He didn't have the Old Testament and the New Testament and 66 books we enjoy today. David's Bible only had the Torah or the law, which they called at the time, and we still call it, the Pentateuch. Do you want to guess how many books are in the Pentateuch? Take a guess. Five books in David's Bible. You see what's going on here? David was a man of God's word. He had confidence in the word of God. He knew God's word. He lived 
God's word. He prayed the word. He trusted the word. And he said, I'll die for the word. And he was basically saying, Goliath, I come against your 666 satanic presence with my God's furious five. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Bring it. And he comes against him in the power of God's word, not man's muscle. Characteristic number three of giant killers. And this is the moment. My five smooth stones versus your satanic strongman. And Goliath just kind of scoffs. If you look at verse 43, he says, Am I a dog? You come at me with sticks? And he cursed him by his gods. Come here, he said. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, that, that's some serious smack talk right there. <laughs> if you're playing three-on-three basketball and someone says, I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the air, you're just like, oh, can we talk about this? Just relax. Like, whoa. <laughs> but David won't back down. <laughs> you got to love this kid. You know, you know what the boy says? Let's just read this out loud together. I love this. It says, David said to the Philistine, look what he says, you come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. It is your day. That takes guts right there, man. (laughs) That's not smack talk. That's confidence. That's an understanding that something miraculous is going to happen. This is a boy who says, I have 110% confidence in my God's power. And he had the Holy Spirit pulsing through his veins. David's talking like he had the wrath of God himself in that sling. He said, this day, the Lord is going to hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. You guys remember True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger? (laughs) Then I'm going to use you as a human shield. (laughs) He goes on here. He actually says, I'm going to give the carcasses of the rest of the Philistines to the birds of the air so that the whole world is going to know about my God who saves. All those gathered here, look at verse 47. Well, no, that's not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is whose? Say it the Lord's, and he'll give you all of you into our hands. The battle is the Lord's. Where have we heard this before? Jehoshaphat, anybody? Folks, this is the key to any man, woman, boy, girl, any leader of God's people. It doesn't matter the size of your enemy. It ain't your fight. The battle is the Lord's. It doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. God fights in a very, very different way. Read with me verse 48. It says, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David ran quickly to the battle line. I love this, to meet him. And it says, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. That'd be what you call a kill shot, a single shot to the forehead, night, night, bin Laden. It's over. Watch out. See, you look at this if you were a hebrew you'd be like oh my gosh he fell face down on the ground and you're like well i don't i don't what do you mean where does what does science say if if this rock hits you in the head which way would you fall backwards but what happens to goliath with the power of god the holy spirit guiding that stone hits him and he falls face down in worship to the God of Israel. And the picture is of a giant. I'm going to relax right there. Laying prostate. He says, I'm not just going to give you the victory. I'm going to show you who rules. 
Again, if you're in the first century, you're a Jew, all sorts of things are popping out at you, right, Rye? It's just like all over the place. And it's an incredible thing when you see a leader lead with the strength of God's hand behind him. Like all giant killers, that boy had the heart of a warrior. He had the humility of a servant, and he relied on the power of God's spirit. Let me ask you, do you have that kind of courage? I mean, in your faith, I I don't know what what giant you're facing today. Again, maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's a, a relational issue or something, your family, your work, your life. I don't know. Let me just ask this. Do you really rely, is it lip service or do you rely on the strength of the Lord? Or are you actually fearful of the world and and the accuser and he mocks you and you're never going to escape, you're never going to get out, this is too much for you, can never do it. What type of armor are you trying to wear? The the armor of the world or actually the armor of God, literally, that's what we talked about last week. See, you you can personalize this any way you want because the reality is it applies no matter what giant obstacle stands in your way. But today, this day, we are celebrating five smooth stones in this church. Five people who can humbly answer yes to those questions. They have the heart of a warrior. They serve this church with humility. And above all, they are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Every week, these five people we're about to highlight courageously take on giants standing against the progress of Jesus' church. Some of them teach God's word in our life groups or classes. Others of them are they're on the front lines fighting for marriages through a marriage mentoring program for newlyweds. Others you will never actually see on the stage because they serve humbly every week behind the scenes. They're communicating God's truth and love to our kids or our teens. Or they're figuring out a way to take God's word behind enemy lines via the internet. There are literally dozens of smooth stones, servant leaders in this church who deserve this award. But today, in this service... We only have time to celebrate five. We're only going to celebrate five because each one of them represents literally dozens of people who are a smooth stone in the hands of the living God. So as your campus pastor comes up here to present their smooth stone award, you can feel free to applaud and cheer and stand or celebrate because each of these people took on a giant who's standing in the way of Christ's church and they took it down. You're about to meet five giant killers. You may be like, they don't look like warriors. I know. Neither did David. If you receive one of these Smooth Stones awards, I just want to tell you, you have my heartfelt thanks. I am so proud of you. The courage so many of you have shown and the hours that you've invested. Thank you. Why don't you applaud? Because it's awkward right now for me to cry, okay? Just again. <laughs> There, there are dozens of people, and you may be one of them who are worthy of receiving this award, but we just simply don't have time for all. So we're going to do for five today what we wish we could do for every single one. As these five Smooth Stone Award recipients come to the stage, um, let's just take a moment to pray and thank God for them and these men and women. Father, I thank you so much, so much, Father, for the army that you're building here. And it's an army not based on violence or chutzpah, or our own might, or our muscle, but the power of the living God. You're still living. You're still moving against the powers of darkness to break in the kingdom of light, the gospel of Jesus. And Lord, I just thank you for now, just for for the people who we're about to celebrate God. They actually feel a little bit awkward because they're humble people. (laughs) They don't like to be spotlighted. 
But Father, we want to just hold them up as an example of your power and what you can do through us when we give our entire heart to you. So thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray and the glory we gift is to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Dave, you want to come on up here? Pastor Dave, welcome him to the stage. And uh, he's coming with him the five Smoothstone Award recipients. Yeah, let's, let's keep cl- clapping for these guys as they make their way up. Just come forward there. You know, this is one of those times that as, a, you know, a campus pastor, you don't get very often where you get to acknowledge the people who so tirelessly work behind the scenes. And I know that for a lot of you guys who are watching this and who are watching online, this might be the first time you've seen some of these faces, and that's because they pour so much of themselves doing stuff that doesn't get the glory up the front. You know, they don't serve in the band necessarily, so you see them. They don't give messages or things like that. These are the guys who really are the heart and soul of this church. And so, as Pastor Tim said, while there's dozens of people we would like to honor, we want to do for five what we wish we could do for everybody. So the first person to receive a Smooth Stone Award is Jeff Hansbury. Give him a clap. (laughs) Jeff and his lovely new wife, Erin, they serve tirelessly at Church Online each and every week. And some of you guys might think that a Church Online volunteer is somebody who just hosts services and says hello to people from 60 different countries. But what Jeff does, I can't even explain. Jeff writes code, computer code, and he sends me these emails with all this stuff. And I have to keep saying, Jeff, I'm so sorry, I don't understand anything that you said. But if it works, you're a good man. <laughs> and when we face a giant at Church Online, like a broadband issue or a broken link, Jeff is the one who comes in and saves the day for us so that people right around the whole world can hear the gospel message preached to them directly. He's an awesome man, and I can't thank him enough for this. So, Jeff, here is the first Smooth Stone Award, and Nick's going to take our photo over there, so let's have a look. Awesome. There you go, buddy. Let's go to the back of the line. Now, the next person up is Luckry. Let's hear it for Luckry. Um, Luckry is a little bit more well-known, but um, what Luckry does with our middle school students it defies expectations. You know, as a parent myself, you know, I hope and long for the fact that one day when my kids are teenagers that they will have, especially my girls, that they would have somebody like Luckery mentoring them, somebody like Luckery who's leading them. She, the faith that she shows, she is a prayer warrior for our middle school uh, students. She prays for them faithfully. She prays with them. And she carries so much weight. And Lucky, you do so much. I'm so thankful for you as a parent. I'm really thankful for you. But just as one of the pastors here who deals with some young people, I'm so pleased that you're on that front line taking those giants for us. So let's hear it for Lucky, our next Smooth Stone Award recipient. Have a smile for Nick. And just go to the end of the line. Okay, the next person up is Sean Quinn. Let's hear it for Sean. <laughs> Sean is a guy who is not he's, not, he's so uncomfortable being up the front because he's normally in the back corner where it's dark, making these all, thing, all these things work. If it, you can see it or you can hear it, it's because of volunteers like Sean. 
him and his... We, we actually get two for one with Sean because his fiance Lisa, serves so tirelessly and you don't see her at all because she's out in the hallway <laughs> putting up slides, running videos and things like that. But um, Sean is one of these guys... I remember when I first met him, the thing that struck me most about Sean was the attitude with which he approaches serving God. I remember the first time I met him, he came up to me and he said, is there anything that I can do for you? He didn't wait to be told. He didn't wait to be asked to do something. He had that get up and go, that that attitude of "I'll I'll do whatever it takes to make church happen so that people can hear the gospel preached. And Sean, I'm so thankful for you, for everything that you do. Thanks for coming in each week in a thankless job. Sean is the last person to leave on a Sunday night. And for that alone, he deserves a big round of applause. Thanks, Sean. Just look out there. End of the line. Step on up. Jamie Bergmeier, let's hear it for James. James has been serving at Liquid longer than I can remember and longer than he can remember. I tried to talk to him about this. When was the first time you started serving? He goes, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I just showed up at church one day when we were in Millington, and I saw some stuff that needed to be done, so I did it. And then Pastor Mike asked me if I wanted to join the greeting team. He was serving before he was even on a team. That is humility. That is a leader right there who sees something that needs to be fixed and just goes ahead and fixes it. And if you come to the 5 o'clock long enough... James is the guy you're going to meet because he serves so tirelessly at this service in particular. He's always at the top of the stairs. He's either writing out name tags, punching validation cards, giving out bulletins, taking up the offering. But he does so much more than that than what you actually see. He places Bibles on chairs. He cleans this room out. He moves chairs around. He puts pens out. These are the little things, those tiny little extra 1% things that he does so well that make liquid what it is today. So we... Dude, you deserve our respect and our admiration. Thanks so much for everything. Back of the line. Back of the line. All right, and last but certainly not least, this is a woman named Carolyn Reed, and I want you guys to give it up for Carolyn. I think Carolyn is even more uncomfortable than Sean was because Carolyn's main role at Liquid is at Church Online. We have nine services at Church Online. Last year alone, we, we were translated into 23 different countries, we went, uh, different languages, we went to 60 different countries, and of those nine services, Carolyn serves at seven. She gets up at 2 a.m. in the morning some mornings to get online and serve. And this is a woman who gives tirelessly, not just to us at Liquid, I know she cares for a lot of her uh, neighbors who are not well, she, gives, she pours everything she has and it comes from this place within her heart where God has given her so much that she's so prepared to give back more than what we could ever ask for. And literally, Carolyn is one of those people and there's a few of the Church Online guys here tonight, but Church Online would not happen if it wasn't for people like Carolyn. And so Carolyn, I'm just so thankful for everything that you do. This is a small sign of appreciation for all the effort, the energy, the blood, the sweat and the tears and the prayers that you put into making Church Online happen. So thank you. Now, as I said, you know, there's a lot of other volunteers who are in the room right now, and, you know, we'd love to be able to honor everybody in this way. But what I want to do is I want to pray for these guys now, but I want to see if there's any other volunteers, if you serve on a greeting team with Liquid Kids, roadies, whatever it is, can you stand? Would you take a moment just to stand? Because we want to recognize you right now. 
These are the people who make church happen and help us achieve our vision of taking church to the people, and they deserve our respect and admiration. Now, I'm going to ask if everybody can stand, and we're going to pray for these guys on stage, but also these guys who are standing as well. Father God, I thank you so much, God, that you have placed people in your kingdom like these five guys on stage, like those guys who stood up in our crowd today. Father, these are the people who literally make church happen. Father, you have blessed them with time and talent. And Father, I thank you for that servant heart that they have where they just want to give so much of everything that they have back to you to serve your people, to serve your kingdom. Father, I pray an anointing and a a blessing on each person who gives up so much to serve at Liquid. God, we do it not because we love Liquid, but we do it because we love you. These people do it because they want to see your kingdom expanded. Father, I pray that you would make that happen, that you would literally take new ground because of the time and effort that these guys put in. Father, would you bless them? We thank you for them. And Father, we just thank them. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, just give them another round of applause. Let's go. Well, um, again, I am so proud of you guys. Um, just so thankful. My heartfelt thanks for everybody um, who invests uh, in the life of this church to advance the kingdom of God against an enemy that is intimidating at times and seems oversized. But um, you know who you are. Um, if you weren't recognized, you're, you're just like David. You take down giants every week that are standing against the advance of Christ's church, and you do it with heart and with courage and the knowledge that you're pleasing, actually, the only one whose opinion counts, which is uh, Jesus Christ, our commanding officer. And I hope you can feel the pleasure at a job well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what God says he's going to tell us when we enter the kingdom of God in eternity. Well, the exciting news is this. If we do this again next year, um, we're going to have an even tougher time just kind of uh, highlighting some of the, ar- the warriors in this army and this church because uh, here's some good news. Uh, since the beginning of this Call of Duty series, which is really all about inviting those of you who are not engaged and calling you into active service on the front lines of ministry, you've responded. This is exciting. Over the last two weeks, many of you have said, I am reporting for duty, and we now have over 500 new volunteers. So we thank God for it. And that is awesome. That is awesome. I mean, that is incredible. Think about this. Next time at this year, some of you may be coming up here to be stoned. That is awesome. That is, uh, didn't come out quite right. Anyway, by now, you've probably received an email, actually, inviting you to attend Plunge. That's our version of basic training uh, for volunteers in our church. And here's the deal. We have four different dates. You just need to attend one, okay? So please try to find that one you can attend so that we can plug you in on the front lines as soon as possible. What do you need to be a warrior like David? I mean, what do you need to be a giant killer? Smooth stone in the hands of God. Really, you just need what David had. What each of these five volunteers have in spades. You need simply a heart to serve. Uh, Scripture calls David a man after God's own heart. And it was his heart that set him apart from Saul. See, after slaying Goliath, this is kind of interesting. After this whole thing went down, everybody said, Hey, David's David's pretty awesome. (laughs) Who is this kid? this young upstart, and he actually he became king after, after Saul, and he led God's people into unprecedented prosperity and blessing and military might. It's really the, the heyday of God's kingdom. He became king. And um, the reality of that is he had seven other brothers who appeared more kingly. They were taller, they were stronger, but David was kind of the runt of the litter. He didn't have flashy skills. But scripture says the Lord doesn't look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks where? At the 
at the heart. See, in God's army, leadership is always about the heart. God's not looking for the flashiest leader expert training, just the heart that has a desire to help others and advance the gospel against the kingdom of darkness. That heart, in my mind, uh, to serve is best exemplified in the spirit of Bob and Dana Rosano. Um, if you've met them, they are one of our Smoothstone Award recipients in New Brunswick. Bob is a, um, he's a financial planner by day, a mild-mannered financial planner. But he turns into an incredible marriage mentor with his wife, Dana, by night. They work with other younger couples in our church who are engaged. They're on their way to be married. And they talk with them and mentor them about all the hard stuff of life, family dynamics, finances, conflict, sex, all the stuff that trips up young couples in the first year of marriage. And they're one of the most down-to-earth couples. They have incredible sense of humor as they coach other mentor couples. They've served at Christmas uh, outreaches, baptisms. Dana's a whirlwind on a Sunday morning. And I'm like, why do they do that? Why, why, do, they, why do they invest hours of time in marriages who they're not their kids? You know why? Because they believe marriage is worth fighting for. <laughs> Maybe you do too. We're a young church. And to have an experienced married couple who have some miles on the odometer, that is a huge blessing to the younger couples who are looking for a roadmap for guides. And you may think, well, you know, I'm no marriage expert. Neither are Bob and Dana. <laughs> but they have experience and they have heart to use it. So my question is for some of you, maybe some of you have been married more than five years. Do you have a, if you can survive five, God can use you too, okay? That heart to serve is complemented by a humble spirit. I, my last question for you is, did you ever stop in this story to ask the question, if David was just a boy, what the heck was he doing there in the first place? What's a boy doing out on a battlefield? Why was he even here to hear Goliath's threats in the first place? This is a little detail that is often overlooked. And I, I love this detail. I want to end with this just, to, just for you to think about this. As you know, David, he was, he was tending the sheep actually in the, you know, the, in the field back at his father's farm when the battle lines were first drawn. But his oldest three brothers were here to fight in the Valley of Elah. And David had to stay behind to actually just, you know, clean the barn, basically. But then his father, Jesse, asked him to run an errand. Just look at this little detail. I love this. Jesse said to his son, take these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are. Bring back some assurance from them. In other words, David was only within earshot to hear Goliath because his father sent him with a snack for his brothers. He said, hey, those, those soldiers must be hungry, so, so bring them 10 loaves of bread and take them 10 cheeses. In other words, go serve the soldiers on the front lines. Crackers and cheese. He said, here's your, here's your big moment, David. Here we go. This is free. I got a big mission impossible. Have you guys ever seen easy cheese? There are some things that are good easy, like easy pass, not easy cheese. But he said, could you go there, David? Here's your big task for the kingdom of God. Come on up here. Come on up, Jeff. I want to give you one. Come on. Come on up and get your cracker. This is just a bonus right now. We're, we're in extra innings right here. Come on. Give one to your wife. Hold on. Take, the, take one for your wife there. Who else wants some easy cheese? Pastor Ryan, come on up here. Give Pastor Ryan a hand. He works with youth. No, you hold, hold on. Hold on. He works with you. We're going to give him a whole lot of cheese right there. You just, you just enjoy that right there. Is there anything, is there anything more humiliating than to say, could you serve crackers and cheese to the big boys? But do you understand something, folks? Because David had a servant's heart, because he was willing to do it. As a result, that day, David walked into his destiny because he said, that's not beneath me. I'm not above that. Even if, even if you just need me, 
to serve crackers and cheese, I'll do it. Because I followed Jesus, the shepherd king, who came to serve. He came to wash feet. Nothing is humiliating in God's kingdom. And guys, that's how God promotes people in his army. By serving cheese and crackers. By serving goldfish to children. (laughs) By doing crazy stuff with high school students. That's how God elevates leaders in his kingdom. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And what? He shall lift you up. That's how David went from private to commander-in-chief over the nation of Israel. Kingship over the entire nation. Because God gives us sometimes some very insignificant little task, like serving a snack. And he says, I just want to test you and see, are you going to be faithful with this? Or do you think it's beneath you? So many times I get asked um, by people who are new to our church, they said, uh, Tim, how do I get into leadership at Liquid? You know what I say? You like spray cheese? Can you serve a snack? I'm serious. Are you willing to serve in the nursery? Can you fill a cup with, a, with goldfish? <laughs> Can you open your home and, and host a life group and serve nachos to other people as they open the Bible and pray together? And people sometimes, you know what they say? Sometimes they'll go, no, dude, I, I want to do something significant, man. I've been in other churches. I'm above that stuff. And I say, you know what? You're not ready yet then. You're not ready. Because God only promotes those who are humble, who say, I will do whatever it takes I don't care if it's folding bulletins or serving a snack to middle schoolers. I realize nothing's insignificant in God's mission to push back the kingdom of darkness and advance Jesus' church. There are no small roles. Every act of service is critical and noticed by the king. So if you're looking to get into leadership at this church, start simple. Sign up to serve with our youth, with our kids. Lead a life group like, like Will and Jen Zhao. Will and Jen are incredible. They are an example of the humble leadership we promote around here. They have an incredible life group, and it's not because they're Bible scholars or they're perfect leaders. But they simply shepherd others and walk through real life with them. Every week they have 20 to 30 singles, married couples. They have divorced folks, and they work on growing their relationship with each other. They, they do real life together. They do the weddings and birthdays and dinners and the not-so-fun stuff. They walk through breakups, health issues, job loss. They've had them all in their group. They're shepherds. Shepherds work with what? Sheep. And by definition, sheep are messy. That's where David learned to lead a nation in the sheep pen. Jesus is called the good shepherd of our souls. No one follows a leader who's arrogant or cocky. You know this, but leaders who are humble in heart. And that's our litmus test for leadership here at Liquid, candidly. Can you open your life to others and humbly serve them? That's the launching pad for greatness in God's kingdom. Can we just read this liquid church together? James 4.10. I want to read this out loud just so we bake this in. Everyone, big loud voice. Ready? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. That's what he did with David and each of these smooth stone warriors today. Sometimes before there's a stone, there's just cheese and crackers. I can't wait to see how God lifts some of you up um, this year as we serve together. If you're one of those 500 people, you have my thanks. You are going to serve amongst like, some of the most talented people you'll, you'll ever meet. In the life-changing ways that he's going to use that, you don't know yet. You may have volunteered to serve like on our greeting team, like Amanda Shaw does every week, and think, well, no big deal, greeting team. I hand out bulletins and I smile at people. That's a huge deal. At Liquid, honestly, the sermon starts in the parking lot. We believe that. First impressions last. When a newbie visits our church for the first time, if a person who's far from God and suspicious of organized religion visits, they're already judging whether this gospel of Jesus is true by the way they're treated before they're seated. 
By the time I get up to talk, I'm simply confirming or denying what they have already experienced on the walk in. They're judging the gospel on you. Are you warm? Are you welcoming? Do you notice them only if they dress nice or actually show unconditional grace and love to everybody? Do you have a heart to make new guests feel at home? Join our greeting team. There are just a thousand ways in this church to make a difference and none of them are insignificant. All it takes is a heart that says, use me. That's all it's needed. Two words, use me. Crackers and cheese. He used David. He's using these smooth stones you saw today and he'll use you if you let him. I want to leave you with the next step to take when you get home uh, today. Um, have you seen our new website, by the way? Yeah, yeah pretty sweet, eh, right? Come on, look at that right there. That's, you know why? Because that's because some leaders invested their God-given geek abilities to make it sweet. <laughs> if you're a geek, God can use you, man. We love geeks and techies at Liquid. But I want you to go home today, and I want you to check out our brand spanking new volunteer menu. If you just click on the Serve Tire to Volunteer Now, This is brand new, and we have all of the key positions that we are hoping to fill. Um, I have just skimmed some of the ways you can serve in this church, but I guarantee there is a fit for you there. So browse the menu, read the description, sign up if you haven't yet, and here's what's going to happen. As you put your life, yeah, you're like, well, I don't have a lot. You put it in God's hands. He will leverage your small stone beyond anything you could possibly do on your own because you'll be a smooth stone in the hand of the shepherd king who topples giants. Amen? Amen. If you're a new recruit, you're one of the 500 people, would you just stand up right now? Stand up if you signed up to serve this spring. Come on, go ahead, stand up. Stand up, people who said, I'm going to serve. It's all right. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, give a hand, give a hand. Come on, people. I want to ask God to bless you. I want to pray for you right now. This is your commissioning. Stand up, stay standing. Let me pray for you. I want God's spirit just to pour into you. Father, right now, we are just thanking you, God, The harvest is plenty, the workers are few, but God, you've stirred in the hearts of these people and they're coming to the front lines. God, right now, would you just fill them with your Holy Spirit? Let them be encouraged, pour your courage into them. Let them be inspired, indwelt by your spirit, Father God, for the difference they're gonna make. We thank you for the lives we already know will change for eternity. People will be saved for eternity because of their sacrifice. So we thank you for them. We ask all the glory would go to Jesus, and because this church exists, Jesus Christ would get all of the credit, and we'd see him more clearly. Thank you for the joy of serving you together. And all God's people said together, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com. Or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.